Good morning. It's good to see everybody. Thank you so much. Welcome back. For those who join on Facebook, we are starting again our corporate worship. As I've said before and I'll say again, we just want you to be safe. We're doing things a little differently from right now. But our point is this, as I spoke a couple of weeks ago, love your neighbors yourself. And that means self-sacrifice. And that means is it's okay and it's not a lack of faith to take precautions. Amen? Okay. So if you're comfortable, um, do what you do. We can't stop living, but at the same time, we can be responsible adults. Which means that uh, if you want to wear a mask, praise God. That's fine. Nobody will say a word. If you don't, that's fine as well. You know, and here's the deal. I do ask if you're sick, whatever it may be, that you stay home. Okay? Now, Pastor Chad ain't being mean. But, you know, if you come to church with strep throat, like I said the other week, it could turn into rheumatic fever. For somebody else, that can't afford insurance. You see what I'm saying? So here's the deal. What may be minor for some could be major for others. So I just ask that we all be safe. And that we can do, and we're going to go on. Okay? So I just want to let you know, and, and again, before we get started, for many of you may know, many of you don't, this past two weeks has been tough for Living Way Community Church as we have lost three uh, family members in this church. Continue to remember uh, Kim Sparks and the loss of her husband. Uh, continue to lift her up during this time. Uh, Philip, who passed away. Continue to uh, lift up the McCraw family as Ruth lost her husband, Luther, as y'all know, said at the very back. Continue to lift them up as they are going through this tough time. And of course, continue, please, to continue to lift up Miss Amy and the loss of her mom. And I, I tell you that the church does not stop the day of a funeral. We need to continue on. We rejoice with others, rejoice. We mourn when they mourn, and we have to be there for them. Again, we love the Lord God with all our heart, soul, and mind. We love our neighbors as ourselves, And if we are what we say we are, we continue to be the church long after we leave these walls. Amen? Okay. How many of you have a bulletin? Turn to the back of it. Ignore it. How many of you have a Bible? Show me. See, that's what I'm talking about. We were be going to have our deacon ordination today, but due to some sickness and some things, we want to make sure that everybody's here. And we want to make sure every family member's here, because that is important. And we do care about that. It'll be our first deacon ordination here at Living Way Community Church, as we're going to do this next week with three men and their spouse. And I pray that you uh, continue to lift us up. And uh, to be quite honest with you, as I've been praying and been doing this virtually for the past couple of weeks. I, I can't get something off my heart. And we have left the children in here, and, and, and good. Because again, I want to go over a few things today that I think that the church needs to reemphasize, but it needs to be in the home as well. Many years ago, I believe it was Manly Beasley, I cannot remember exactly, sure don't want to misquote, but made a statement of something that really stuck my attention. He said, you know, how many of you have ever gone and got a driver's license? And most of you, when you do, you'll take that picture 
And you'll compare it or you may show somebody you may not. And people will say, well, I see your picture, but it don't look nothing like you. And so many times, brothers and sisters, friends, family, neighbors, that's the Christian walk. I see your picture, but it don't look nothing like you. If you have your Bibles, turn with you, Matthew chapter 7. We are going to begin back in uh, Revelation 6 in two weeks as we'll get into the wrath of God and the bowls. But I think this is essential. I ask you to pray with me. Pray for me as I give you this. I wasn't prepared. God prepared me. And I can't get this off my heart. As you look around, as many of you do, you watch the news. If you've paid attention at all, I know you're concerned about groceries because shelves are empty. Pay attention over to seas because we're closer to war than we have been the past 50 years. But this is America. It's going to be all right. As I've said many times as a pastor, my job is not to give you what you want to hear, but to give you what God's Word said. And to prepare you. And to prepare you to understand that so many years we have been blessed to live in a nation where we never saw persecution. It's coming. Quickly. We have never had to be deprived of certain things and rights. We've never had to worry about, as the FBI has stated last week, churches and synagogues be warned for the time is coming. You see that? Because attacks are starting to happen. Now, Chad, are you telling me to be afraid? No. But I'm telling you who to put your trust in. And if you haven't put your trust in Jesus Christ, be very afraid. Family and friends, listen to me as I speak this morning. Children, pay attention. Ask mom and daddy questions. Because this is essential things that we need to know this morning. Matthew chapter 7, 5 through 7 deals with this. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus will do something that will question the whole Pharisaical or Jewish movement. He is gone from a religion, if you will, of works to making it a condition of the heart. You have heard it said, but I tell you, you have heard it said, not to commit adultery, but if you look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery. It's a condition of the heart. That which is in here will be revealed. And Jesus will address the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Jewish nation as a whole, thought they were okay and would be saved, that they were all great. Paul will deal with this in Romans chapter 2. Not all of Israel is Israel. Because they had a works salvation. And Jesus will make it perfectly clear that it's a condition of the heart. It's not what you do. It's not that you know him, but he knows you. Jesus will say this. 
Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. If you have your Bibles, I ask you to turn with me. I'm going to be honest with you, and I'm not saying this to be cute. Look at me, and please listen. Technology is a good thing, but technology also makes us lazy. Read the Word of God. Flip with me. You know, I, I often think sometimes that it's very easy to look behind us and praise God. Don't send them about things on the screen. But if all the technology was lost today and we had a cyber attack, would you get in the Word of God? He's preserved His Word for us. Let's read it together. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life. And few find it. Be on your guard against false prophets. Who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravaging wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn brushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. Jesus said this. This is very important. Jesus says that a good tree will produce good fruit. If a good tree produces bad fruit, it's not a good tree. Okay, I didn't say that. I'm saying that because Christ said that. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So you'll recognize them by their fruit. Listen. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? Then we'll announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. Yes, it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine that doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded the house, and it collapsed, and it collapsed with great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them like the one who had authority and not like their scribes. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that your words speak, that it's not mine, but yours, that God would examine our hearts and examine ourselves to see if we're in right standing before you. God, I pray today, as this world changes and grows ever more wicked, that those that are real will stand forth. That God, there's a reason why the narrow is the path, and few find it. God, may we be ever faithful. May we stand strong. And Lord, may your will be done. Amen. I see your picture. 
but it doesn't look anything like you. You see, a few weeks ago, I talked about the three A's of the marks of a believer. The attitude, the availability, the action. The things that you do that show fruit. But for a few moments, I need to back up and tell you about how you changed. How you become changed. You see, a lot of people are under the assumption that because they went to church or prayed a prayer, or grandma and grandpa was saved, or mom and daddy decided to start taking them to Bible school, that they have a relationship with Christ. And what happens is, their faith is more on something that they have done and more on what, than what Christ has done in their lives. Now, I often ask people, what's your testimony? What have you been saved from? And I've heard a lot of testimonies. And I'll tell you this, a testimony has got to be in the life of every believer. People will say, well, I don't remember the exact time and place where I got saved. What's Christ doing in your life now? Because here's the deal. As Paul was before King Agrippa, he said, this is what I was, this is what happened, and this is where I am. You see, the life of a believer is what you were, what Christ has done, and what you are. Understanding that only Christ can change that. It's not because you decided to do something. But Christ did something in you. So I'm going to break these verses down for you. He said, enter through the narrow gate. Well, what is the narrow gate? The narrow gate's Jesus. You see, what had happened is the Pharisees had taken everything they known as a pathway to work to God. They looked good. They did certain things. But they weren't right. They prayed prayers. Everybody prays. I have heard people tell me, well, I prayed. I, again, I use the illustration. Have you ever been on an airplane in turbulence? Have you ever gone through something where you were sick? Just because you pray doesn't make you a believer. No more than me riding on a jet makes me a pilot. Because you went to church. A lot of people go to church, but church don't make you righteous. It's just like a mirror, just like the law. The law, the Ten Commandments, trying to keep something does not clean the dirt. It reveals it. The mirror don't clean it. It just shows you who you are. I see your picture, but it don't look anything like you. You see, the gate is Jesus, and it's a narrow gate that only He can change your life. And it's through faith and trust in Him, through the repentance of your sin, through trust and guidance led alone by Christ alone, through God's grace alone. Nobody can enter a gate other than the gate of Christ. You cannot enter that gate without Christ. Excuse me. It ain't happening. Christ is the only way. 
You say, well, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he died on the cross. I believe that he rose from dead. Congratulations, that qualifies you to be a demon. James is very clear. For even demons believe. And they what? They tremble. Absolutely, brother. They tremble. Sons of Sceva. We know Jesus. We've heard of Paul. Who are you? You see, the whole point of this is the narrow gate is Christ. He is the gate by which we enter the path of righteousness. Now, if He's the gate and He is the only way, which means He alone can cleanse. And that gate can only be entered, entered, that turnstile can only be gone through by your faith and trust. Period. It's not believing that Jesus, it's believing in Jesus. We have to make that distinction. Because there's a lot of people that fill our congregations today that believe in Jesus and will not make it into eternity. A lot of people believe in Jesus. Well, they make it eternity, but they won't make it into heaven. Believing in Jesus is different than believing that Jesus. You see, believing in Jesus is being committed to Him, sold out to Him. Remember, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. And there's evidence of that, that you are completely sold out to Christ. And I have told you, nobody in this room, listen to me, this is why testimony is important. And ask yourself, I see your picture, but it don't look anything like you. Ask yourself this. If you have been saved by Christ, you have been changed. You have made an impact in this world because Christ made an impact in your life. There is no negotiation. You cannot be transformed by Jesus Christ and be the same person. Listen to me, children. When I was a child, I was baptized young. So were my boys. But my mom and daddy and my wife, like we told us all, always look at yourself to see if you're in right standing with God. And it's important, parents, that we teach our children this. Because little lost people will grow up to be big lost people. If your life has been impacted by Jesus Christ, there is change and there's evidence of that change. He is the gate. But look what it says. For the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who go through it. Many. They are many that think because of what they've done or what they've said or what somebody else assured them that they are right. The thing about this gate, I need every one of you to hear very clearly, that's a gate you've got to walk through alone. Do you hear me? Nobody else can walk through this gate for you. Your relationship with Christ is on you. It's on each and every one of us. We have to do it alone. Nobody can do it for us. Because the only person that can do this for us is Christ. There's no human intercessor. There's no priest. There's no shaman that's going to pray you out of hell when you die. There's nobody that's going to make it all right for you while you live. 
The only person that can make it right is the person of Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Period. He is the gate. And the path is broad that many people find it and they go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life? I want to focus on this for a minute. If Christ is the gate, the walk is tough, people. The walk is tough. You must ask yourself, and I'm going to go on a broad stroke here. You see how the world is treating us today. You see how things are. And again, we are more blessed than anybody. Look, we're blessed. if you're Christ, you're blessed, period, whether you have a dime or not. Might be a time we all may be sitting there worried about food. I'm trying to scare you. I'm giving you reality. And we're going to find out who our total dependence is on. But if you're going through the narrow path, you must understand that that road is difficult. Why? Because in the road that we live on, remember what I said, before they, hated, before they hated us, they hated Christ first. And if they hate Christ, they're going to hate you. Have you not watched TV lately? Have you seen the pervertedness all over TV? That those things that we thought were horrible 20 years ago were now routine? Things that make people rot inside their bodies is okay. Because we become tolerant. That's not the narrow path. That's the broad path. And what has happened is that broad path has weaved its way into the church. And we call it acceptance and tolerance. I call it heresy. The narrow path is a difficult one, which means this. It's a daily walk with Jesus Christ. As we know in this church, as families know personally, they've experienced death. And they will tell you that each person that I have talked to that's experienced death this past few weeks will tell you the only way they could have made it through Jesus Christ. We live as somebody that don't have any hope. We have hope in Christ. And it gets to me that, that we see so many times and so many opportunities for people to say, well, you know what? God is good, but yet my, my life is miserable. God is good, but my life... Look, we need to be careful who we listen to. I hear so many people proclaiming to be ministers of the Lord and telling you what you can have now. Sow that seed. You want to sow a seed? Sow the gospel. Turn that crap off. That's what it is. The Greek will call it skibola. You can look that up if you don't know what it means. It's a Greek word for dung, poop. Anything contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ is dung. And that's what we live in. We've got to be different. People got to see that we're different. The road is difficult. You will face death. You will face sickness. You will face financial hardships. Many of you probably sooner than you realize. But again, the road is tough. Why? Because on this earth, we've got to go through trials and tribulations. We talked about this Wednesday. Paul said very quickly, I've run the race. I've fought the fight. My battle is done. And I'm fixing to die for my faith. But it's worth it. 
Because everything that I've gone through, and he will tell us this in Philippians, is done compared to the surpassing love of Jesus Christ. That's what it is. Nothing compares. And it kills me to see Christians living as though you have no hope or say they're Christians and living contradictory to the hope that they say they have. Guys, again, I've said this. I said it week before last. If we can't handle the big things or little things, I can promise you, you won't be nowhere near the big things. The path is narrow and few find it. Look what he says. Be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. Let me tell you what I believe this means with all my heart. I believe it's Christian leaders, or supposedly Christian leaders, or false prophets who are the false sheep. Because they're leading people astray. You can have your best life now. You have your best life now, you're on the way to hell. Oh, it's okay. We're not perfect. We're just forgiven. It's okay. We make mistakes. Yeah, I've made some. made some of today. But I'm going to tell you this between that attitude and a Christian attitude. When we make mistakes, we'll repent from them and won't celebrate in them. Do you understand that? There's a difference. Be careful who we listen to. A lot of times people will text me about this person they've heard or this pastor or this person. And I'm not saying, look, I'm a man. I'm a depraved man. But only by God's grace am I am what I am. There's no good in me. Only Christ that lives in me. I am what I am. And I will fail and I will let you down. I promise you I've let some of you down. I will let some of you down. I am a human being that will make mistakes. Now, I can either turn from them and learn from them or I can celebrate on them. Okay? But what I tell you is this. There are so many people reading so many things now because of what's going on in the world. People are afraid. That's why I've been going through Revelation. Because a lot of times we've got a false narrative of what we think the world's going to look like in a few years. And I think we've put our trust in things of what people regurgitated and said word to word of God says. Now, I say all that to say this. Be careful who you listen to. They're a great speaker, but they might be lost as last year's Easter eggs. Does the Word of God, does the Word of God line up with their teaching? Be careful of sheeps, but inwardly they're ravaging, wolf, ravaging wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruit. Here's the thing. I have learned this in, in, in my ministry. Trust me. Eventually, your fruit will show. Your fruit will show. If you're a liar, it'll show. If you're an adulterer, it'll show. Trust me. Trust me highly on this. We may think we hide things from the world, but you don't hide things from Christ. And it's been revealed. Trust me as a preacher. If you talk, if you've told one more person, I guarantee you I know it. Because people talk. If you use filthy language, I know it. Because people talk. Now don't stop on my account. I'm not the one you got to stand before the judgment on. 
But I tell you this, there's two reasons why people don't become Christians. Number one, they say they had not never seen one, or number two, they say they have. And what kind of example do we set? Our fruit must be produced. Now, every now and then, one of us will have a worm in our apple. We blow it. But again, it's how we react to it. I cannot justify sinful behavior. I can't justify mine. You know, the thing that amazed me when I was reading this text is he said, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into a fire. You know what fire does? It consumes, it destroys. And you'll recognize them. And when I read that, it sends a shockwave through my heart. I see your picture, Chad. I don't look anything like you. You see, there's three people we have inside of us. Number one, the one that we see. Number two, the one that others see. And third, the one that Christ sees. You see, we all in a spotlight before God. That moment when you get mad at your spouse and you yell at her in the house and you throw things, been there, done that. And you make it all right with each other, maybe. Or those times when you've lost your temper and you threw that brick wall or brick through that wall. Watched that race and somebody come in life and you said some perverse things. Nobody heard it. Sure they did. Sure they did. Look, I got one finger. I got a sack full back at myself. I ain't walking on water here. But the difference is this. This is the whole point of all this. Listen to me clearly. I don't want anybody to miss this, no matter who you are. Kids, whomever, listen to me. If you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, your drive, your desire is to pursue holiness. There's no negotiation. Yeah, we're going to fail, but we get ourselves back up and we pursue holiness. If you're not on an active pursuit of holiness... In an active pursuit, in a walk with Jesus Christ, you don't know Him. Chad, why are you being so tough? I mean, you don't, you don't know me. You're right, I don't. I don't know anybody in here. What happens at home? I know you, but y'all don't know me either. You know, I might like to go home and throw knives at people. You know what I mean? You, you, I mean, seriously, I, mean, that's, I better be careful saying that, but you know. <laughs> but you see my point. You see my point. Y'all see what you see up here, Okay? Or you see me off on the side, or you know what? I might be that guy, yeah, this that went over like a lead balloon. That was wrong. I don't throw knives at people. But here, the point I'm trying to illustrate is this. You see one side of me. Christ sees all sides of me. My wife and kids see a side of me. If my kids act like jerks to people, you know why I do it? Because mom and dad acts like jerks to people. You see, people regurgitate what they see and they act the way they act and often think that God doesn't see it. He does. But here's the deal. What's in secret will be revealed in public. And that's the point I'm making. Because that conniving thing when Chad gets mad and throws cake at people, how about that? 
He's going to finally throw cake at people. If Chad curses like a sailor, he will slip up and curse like a sailor in front of you. Right? It's going to come out. Trust me. And what's going to happen is the person that you don't want to hear it is going to hear it. Been there, done that. Got the t-shirt. We all have. Because people talk. But understand this. We're going to fail. But that tree will produce good fruit. We're going to have a bad one come up. But we, what, we do, what we do with bad fruit? We pick it off, throw it away that don't contaminate the others, right? So we grow and we learn and we repent from it, right? Am I wrong? Now look what he says. This is where it gets interesting to me. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Let me explain it to you this way. There's a lot of people that claim Jesus. There's a lot of people going to say, Lord, Lord. And Jesus goes on further to distinguish between what's right religion and what's wrong religion. I'm going to go a little further with that in just a few minutes. So we'll go to Matthew 23. But there's a difference. There are those that call Lord, Lord because they use in God or Christ as an end to a means. Or means to an end. Either or. We call it fire insurance. You see, what's very interesting to me, when I was a child and I heard it sung at a funeral, and I rejoiced this week when I heard it. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Remember that song? Beautiful song. Used to have a friend of mine, he'd call it blessed insurance. Because that's the way he looked at his life. There's no such thing as fire insurance. That's one thing you will lose your money on if you have fire insurance toward heaven. Not only will you lose your money, you'll lose your life. There is no fire insurance. There's blessed assurance. There are many people that will call on Jesus' name. And look what he says. Again, he distinguishes. Listen. On that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? Drive out demons in your name? Do many miracles in your name? You hear that? People who are anti-Christ in their living did things in Jesus' name. They are people that are lost, that did miracles. They are people that did certain things. Listen to me very clearly. They are people who have taught Sunday school, have taught our children, have worked in ministries, who have filled the pulpit that will not enter into heaven. Turn with me to Matthew, Matthew chapter 23 for a few moments. Now, I want you to listen. I'm not going to read all of all, every one of them, but listen. These are religious and Jesus having a discussion. Matthew 23 says, When Jesus spoke to the crowds and his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees are seated in the chair of Moses. Therefore, do whatever they tell you and observe it. But don't do what they... What? Do. It's one thing to say you are something. It's one thing to do what you say you are. But don't do what they do because they don't practice what they teach. 
They tie up heavy loads that are hard to carry and put them on people's shoulders, but they themselves aren't willing to lift a finger to move them. They do everything to be seen by others. They enlarge their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. They love their place of honor at the banquets, the front seats in the synagogue, greetings in the marketplaces, and to be called rabbi by the people. That's why I said a few weeks ago when a guy came into church that time, he said, hey, I used to do this and this and this at our other church. Congratulations, here's a toilet brush. Because the pastors clean the church. Who are we above? Nobody. See, let me tell you about service for the Lord real quickly. And I'm moving. I don't have a clock. Somebody keep up time with me. I hear it go beep, beep. Anyway, here's the deal. There have been many times, and you know this as well, we all like to be appreciated. Don't get me wrong. We love somebody to come up and slap us on the back and say, good job. We like that. But the tendency for that, especially in service in the ministry, can go to your head. I don't want to be put in that position. You see, people like to be exalted. Now, let me give you an example of why I said the toilet brush thing and why the pastor should clean the bathrooms. Or we did. I'll do it now. I'm going to tell you why. Listen. See, there's no glory in it. Let's go for a few moments. True service for the Lord is not about our glory. It's for Christ's glory. You see, people don't know when the restrooms are clean, but I guarantee you they'll point out when they're not. You hear me? Just because you don't stand up here every single Sunday or Wednesday or Bible study or whatever we have and teach the Word, that don't make you beneath me. And that don't make me above you. My job is to be a shepherd, which means sometimes it gets tough. Not always received well, but that's the, that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the life that God chose for me. You hear that? Just like the deacons, they didn't choose this. God chose them. We just recognize the gifts. We'll get into that next week. There's no glory in a lot of things that you do. There's no glory for those missionaries that were killed two weeks ago that none of us heard of. There's no glory in it because people want to receive glory and be seen. But the glory is found in Jesus Christ and they will be glorified when they reach into heaven, when they make it to heaven. Because their home is not here. Their home is there. And there's a big difference. And here's the thing. There's a lot of people, they love to be seen for their nice clothes, their tassels. I can take the horriblest human being you know, put a suit on him and put a King James under his arm, and he'll still go to hell. It's not what you have that makes you who you are. It's who Christ is. And it's about what's here. Look what he says. But you're not to be called rabbi because you have one teacher and because you're all brothers and sisters. Do not call, call anyone on earth your father because you have one father who is in heaven. You are not to be called instructors either because you have one instructor, Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will what? Be exalted. You see, Jesus taught opposites. And this is the point. 
To live, you must what? Die. And to be exalted, you must be humbled. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. You travel over land and sea to make one convert. And when, you, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as fit for hell as you are. You're going to hell and you're taking others with you. That's why he says, be careful. Not everybody, not everybody will enter into heaven. Listen to what he says. You know the scary thing about this? Let me go on for a side note real quick. Here he goes. No, but bear with me. The scary thing is they cast out demons. You ever thought about that? You read the text? I mean, I didn't say it. The text did. Evil people can do evil things. Evil people can do good things. But they were evil. Makes us look at ourselves. I see your picture, but it doesn't look anything like you. Look what he says. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be likewise like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded the house. Yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. You see, here's the thing. The rock that the foundation must be built on is the rock of Christ. There is no other rock. Christ is the foundation in which we build. He is the only one that can save. He is the only one that can heal and forgive. He is the only one that can transform you. Your lust, your bitterness, your perversion, your profanity, your gossip, your attitude, you don't have the power to change it. Only Christ can. I don't have that power. I am not the rock in which anybody can build on because I will crumble. Because I'm a depraved human. Christ is the only one. We must build our lives upon Christ. We must lift each one of us up in prayer. We must hold one another accountable. We must bury our nose in the Word. We must spend our time in prayer. Does your picture look right to God? And I've been asking myself this even up into the time I walked in this door. Because I don't want to ever present myself as something before you I'm not. I'm a fallen man that has been lifted up by Christ and Christ alone. I'll tell you this, when Christ looks at my picture, I see a picture, Chad, that looks just like you. Because he sees the real us. He sees us. He knows us. And I have to ask myself every day, do I do what I do because of what Christ did for me? Or do I do what I do for the glory of me? Do I desire to see Christ glorified or Chad glorified? I know Chad, apart from Christ, Chad will glorify himself, won't he? And you will too. Apart from Christ, I can do nothing. 
And the foundation is built upon the rock and He alone. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded the house, and it collapsed. And I think it very interesting that Jesus emphasized that collapse, that it was great. It fell hard. You see, the Bible tells me on after this that they were amazed by his teaching because he taught as one who had authority. He does. He is the ultimate authority, the supreme authority. Does your picture look like you? And, and, and brothers and sisters, in closing, I promise, I've only said it once, Darren. In closing, I want to say this. That this body does not cease whether we meet on Sundays or whether we don't. Whether it's virtual or whether it's corporate. Christ, Christ is not something that either here one day and gone the next. He's continuous. Our lives, are, our lives as Christians is a continuous walk. It is a continuous lifting and reaching to Christ. It is a continuous clinging to His garment. It is a continuous walk of faith. It is a continuous time of walking through trials and tribulations. You will have trials. And some of you will have them worse than others. It's coming. It will be here tomorrow for some of you. Or maybe today. But if your picture looks like you, you know the picture looks like you because you are totally dependent on the person and the work of Christ. Period. I love you. And I know these past few weeks have been hard for a lot of people. I can't imagine what some of you are going through. And I won't stand up here and pretend like I do. Okay? I'm not. Some people that used to come with... Someone else have to go home alone. Dinners ain't what they used to be. Christmases has changed. But I praise God that we really don't have to be alone. You have Christ. And like I've said at the beginning, I don't see how people make it without him. You're not. I see your picture. Does it look like you? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your grace and mercy. Lord, I pray that each person that is here today, Lord, would examine yourself. Lord, each day is a walk. We all have trouble. God, I ask you forgive me. Lord, I'm not a perfect person. I won't use that as an excuse because, I mean, a lot of times we do. I will let people down. I'll let these people down. I'll let myself down. But most importantly, I'll let you down. But God, we don't have to live as though we have no hope. Lord, what we have
is your son Jesus Christ who went to Calvary and paid a debt he didn't know because we owed one we couldn't pay. And God, we can't just say we love you in lip service. It's got to be heart. It's got to be manifested in all that we do. Lord, I'm man enough to admit, there's a lot of times when I get upset with people, people get upset with me, I go to work and, whoo. But God, it's easy to be loving to those that love us. That's easy. Lord, it's easy to pastor those that love us. And a lot of, I mean, you know, the thing about it is, God, we got to be the same wherever we go. And that's me and that's all of us that claim to be you. Claim to know you, I'm sorry. But God, it takes a daily walk with you. We can't do it on our own. We, we can't do anything on our own. We need your leading, your guiding, your protecting. And God, I, I just pray that, Lord, you'd cleanse our hearts and make us 100% total dependent. That, Lord, if this world ended tomorrow, we'd be forever in your presence. Not everybody can say that. But, Lord, the reason I'm here is one day your son Jesus Christ made a difference in my life. And God, it is my prayer that every person that is here today, that's the same, the testimony is the same. If not, Lord, I pray that you convict their heart before it's eternally too late. God, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We know this. But God, what we are guaranteed for those who place their faith and trust to you and turn to you and turn from our sin, Lord, we are guaranteed to not only <coughs> be changed by you, transformed by you, but when we leave here, you'll take us to heaven. And there's no greater peace than my Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And all God's people said, stand and worship with us.